Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Amen. That's what we're always about here at East LJ Baptist, but certainly today on a beautiful Easter Sunday, and we want to make you let you know that we're so glad you're here and welcome you today. If you're joining us for the first time, uh, especially our privilege to have you here, um, and, and we just want you to know that um, we're here because we've been captivated by Christ. We have seen in the Lord Jesus the glory of our God. Uh, we've seen in Christ the grace and mercy of Jesus given to us, uh, of God given to us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he has captivated us. And so welcome. If you're joining us via live stream, welcome as well. We exist as a church to spread our enjoyment of the beauty of Christ to our world. And it's our prayer that you would see the beauty of our Savior, the Lord Jesus, and find yourself captivated by him as well today. As folks continue to make their way in, just several announcements uh, of things upcoming in the next few weeks. First of all, Missions Committee will meet tomorrow evening, 7 o'clock. Tomorrow evening, 7 o'clock. Also, Crowd to Jesus Prayer Service will be this Wednesday at 6.30. Wednesday at 6.30, Crowd to Jesus Prayer Service, our monthly prayer gathering. Also, Search Committee for our uh, youth pastor and children's administrator. We will begin meeting again next Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. Next Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. Also, next Sunday after worship, we'll have our uh, regular April conference. And so, right after worship service next Sunday morning, April conference. Looking ahead a couple weeks to Wednesday, April the 14th, leadership. We will have our meeting, our monthly meeting at 7.30 that evening, Wednesday, April the 14th. April the 23rd, that's a Friday night, will be Secret Church 21. This is an intense uh, six-hour Bible study uh, in time of prayer for the persecuted church. Uh, Go to uh, secretchurch.org and check that out. This year's theme is The Great Imbalance. We have room for three more people, and so we'd love for you to join us uh, beginning at 7 p.m. on Friday evening, running to 1 a.m. Saturday morning. Uh, Now, that ought to make you curious enough to at least go check it out uh, online and join us if you're interested. Also, finally, on the last Sunday of the month, I believe it is, Sunday, April the 25th, We'll have our uh, next quarter, quarterly foreign missions offering. So you've got three weeks uh, between now and then. Be praying about how God would have you give and, and support our foreign missionaries uh, serving around the world. Quick thank you and, and, and a heartfelt thank you just for our uh, building and grounds. Uh, David Hensley in particular and the building and grounds committee for several recent ma- re- recent maintenance projects. Uh, We've got new parking lot lights, the carpet's been cleaned, there's mulch outside, and there's been some uh, needed roof repairs as well, so thanks to Building and Grounds for that. And also thank you to some of our visitors who planted some shrubs out on the island out front. You may have noticed those coming in, and we appreciate you uh, who who took care of that for us. I'm going to ask you to stand with me and turn, uh, you'll see it on the screen as we turn to Luke chapter 23. We'll pick the story up in verse 50. Friday evening, we enjoyed a a, a wonderful time celebrating the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus, thinking about Jesus' sufferings for us and all that he went through and and what our sin required uh, in the death uh, and sufferings of Jesus. And so we pick it up right after the death of Jesus in Luke 23, verse 50. Now, there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council a good and righteous man, 
who had not consented to their decision and action, that is, in the crucifixion of Christ, and he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. Have you ever thought about that next day, that Saturday, that Sabbath day? What a dark and awful day that Sabbath was for the disciples. The death of a friend like they'd never had before. It just wasn't supposed to end like this. But that silent Saturday holds an important lesson for us. God's delays are not God's denials. God's delays are not God's denials. God will keep His promises no matter how things appear or how we feel. Amen? Amen. Some of the situations you're facing right now, many of you that are unspeakably terrible, they're, they're awful, they're wrong, they're painful, but they're not final. God has promised to be with you and to ultimately give you the everlasting joy and pleasure in His presence that can only come through knowing Jesus. And hear me, He will do it. He will do it. Luke 24, verse 1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices, this is the women they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And no one has ever found the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Christ is risen. He is is risen risen indeed. indeed. Amen. Aren't you thankful that you know that truth. There may be some watching by live stream, there may be somebody in the room who's never heard that reality before, but I doubt it, right? Thank thank God that we have the gospel message. We're going to talk more about it. We want everyone under the sound of my voice to have it personally applied to their lives. But but we have the privilege to hear that. And yet all around the world, uh, there are people who've never even heard the name of Jesus. They've never had a clear presentation of of the good news about what God has done for us in Christ. You have neighbors and co-workers, family members, who may have heard it but don't yet know Him. And so we want to pray for our neighbors. We want to pray for the nations, specifically this morning, the Chauhan people of India. This is a Hindu people group, a small people group, 29,000 people with no Christian witness among them. And so we want to pray that God would save... uh, the Chauhan of India. Join me as we pray together. Father, we rejoice that we can call you Father, and it's only because Jesus rose. 
conquering sin and death for us that we might become the sons and daughters of God. We rejoice in our risen Savior today. We thank you that you've allowed us to hear and know and be rich in the gospel of the resurrected Christ. But Father, how we pray for those all around us. I pray for some in this room, Lord, who know the language, but they don't know Christ. I pray you would make us bold witnesses in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, with family members, to proclaim the beauty of the risen Christ to them. And Lord, how we pray you would raise up missionaries to go to the Chauhan of India and to penetrate their deeply Hindu culture with the light of Christ. Father, this morning we pray for so many uh, who, are, who are grieving, families grieving. We pray for those uh, who, are, who are battling various diseases. Father, we, uh, especially this week, have been praying for uh, Sam and Ashley Lau and their yet unborn child who's having complications. Father, we pray for wisdom, we pray for protection. We pray, God, for uh, your intervention there in the health of this, uh, this child. Father, thank you for this Resurrection Sunday. And may Jesus, in all of his glory, be praised today. We ask it in his precious name. Amen. Remain standing. Let's worship our risen Savior. Amen. We're excited you've joined us today. We're going to sing in celebration. And uh, first we'll sing in Christ alone.
Father, thank you that for those of us who, by your grace, have come to know Christ, indeed it is well with our soul. But Father, I pray right now for any in the room today or joining us via live stream for whom it is not well, someone who right now in the stillness of this moment in their own hearts, they know that it is not well. Things are not right with Almighty God. Father, for them, I pray, we have all been right there. And I pray, God, that in these moments that follow as we open your word, as we unpack the truth of the resurrection what all it can mean in our lives. Father, I pray that today would be the day of salvation for any for whom it's not well. Thank you that it can be well for their soul right now, today, this Easter 2021, that it can change and it can be forevermore well with them. So as your church, collectively, we pray that this would happen. There's nothing we would want more in this moment. And Father, because of the reaction of heaven when someone comes to trust in Jesus, the angels of heaven rejoice and throw a party. Lord, we know there's nothing more you would rather see happen than a heart to be changed and another one of your people brought into the fold. God, how we pray for that. Lord, I pray for all of us as your people that we would live more consistently in light of our risen King under the authority and rule of our risen King in the freedom, in the hope, and with the purpose given to us by our King. Lord Jesus, we praise you and we thank you for who you are. Now by your Spirit be our teacher, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, well, no children's church today, but uh, so glad to see each of you. Man, what what an awesome day this is, beautiful day outside, and uh, this is more faces than I have seen maybe for the last entire year, not just here, but period. And so it's uh, great to see all of you. Uh, glad you're here with us. Again, if you join us by live stream, we're glad you're here. We've got a, a, a full house, and we're, we're thankful for that today. Yaroslav Pelikan said this, If Christ is risen, nothing else matters. 
And if Christ is not risen, nothing else matters. If Christ is risen, nothing else matters. If Christ is not risen, nothing else matters. You see, the literal bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ is the defining moment in all of human history. Only a living Savior can save. Hear Jesus' own words about his resurrection. In John 10, verses 17 and 18, Jesus said, For this reason, the Father loves me. Why did the Father love the Son? Jesus said, Because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. On Friday night, we talked about the fact nobody took Jesus' life. Jesus willingly laid it down. But hear what Jesus said. I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. Before the resurrection, Jesus said, I'll lay my life down. I'll die, but I'll raise from the dead. I'll be, I'll be raised from the dead. I'll rise from the dead in power. John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and don't miss this, and the life. He had to rise in order to be the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Over in John 11, verses 25 and 26, Jesus says it even more clearly when he says, I am the resurrection. I won't just be raised. I am resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Oh, I'm going to die, but I'll never die. This body will die, but Chad Kelly will never die. Because I know the resurrection and the life. Revelation 1 verse 18, Jesus speaking to the churches there, to John there, says, I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. You see, Jesus' resurrection changes everything. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our lives can be radically revamped. In fact, our lives should be radically revamped because Jesus lives. That's what I want to talk to you about today, and here's a simple truth that I want you to take home. Jesus' resurrection can radically change your life. It should radically change your life if it hasn't done so already. How can Jesus' resurrection radically change your life? There's three things I want you to catch this morning. Uh, we're going to look at, at various passages of Scripture. There's things, three things I want you to see. First of all, you can be freed by grace. Secondly, you can be filled with hope. And thirdly, you can be fueled by purpose. Grace, hope, and purpose. You can be freed by grace, filled with hope, and fueled by purpose. Jesus' resurrection can radically change your life. Notice with me, first of all, you can be freed by grace. You see, every person in the room needs grace. Amen? Do we know this about ourselves? Every single human being needs grace from God. The Bible tells us, and the reason is, is this, the Bible tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and that the wages of sin is death. So everyone has sinned, the wages God pays us for our sin is death. Those verses there in Romans paint a picture of a life that is a prison, 
that ends in destruction, everlasting death. Every person on the planet, every single person ever born on the planet except Jesus is a prisoner to sin under sin's death sentence pronounced by the holy justice of Almighty God. Now, there's no freedom in your life if that's where you are. There's no freedom if you're under a death sentence from God Himself, right? This makes sense, right? This is still yes in 2021, even post-COVID. This is still yes, right? Or amen. That'll work too. Y'all good? Everybody awake? All right. We need grace, all of us. And before we even knew we needed grace, God made a way to justify, uh, to, 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 to justly give us grace. To justify and forgive sinners without compromising His holiness. Romans 5 verse 8 tells us how He did it. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, still sinners, some translations say, Christ died for us 2,000 years ago, before I was ever born, before you were ever even thought of, Christ hung on the tree for you. The love of God initiated salvation. The love of God sent Christ to come and take our place and bear God's curse on our sin for us. 1 Peter 2 verse 24 puts it this way. He himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree. My sins, your sins, in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been Healed. He's quoting from Isaiah 53 there. In Isaiah 53, verses 5 and 6, the substitutionary atonement of Christ. Jesus in our place, paying for our sin, is put this way. Beautiful poetic language here in Isaiah 53, verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that is from God that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. 800 years before Jesus would hang on that tree, those words were prophesied about exactly what he would do on the cross for you and for me. Paul David Tripp just came across this comment this week, and it just it, it, it caused me to stop and think about it for a minute, so I wanted to share it with you. We should never let ourselves get used to minimizing what necessitated the death of Jesus. What necessitated the death of Jesus? My sin, your sin. And we should never become so familiar, and, and, and oh, I want you to know, you're going to know before we're done about the grace of God, the goodness of God, the love of God, but we should never become so familiar with those things that we minimize the sin, that our sin that hung Jesus on the cross, because somewhere in the mix of that, when we lose sight of our sin, we will minimize the grace of God. Romans 3, verses 23 to 25, it says, For all of sin, we read that earlier, and fall short of the glory of God. Verse 24 goes on, And are justified by His grace. How do you, how do you get saved? How do you get made right with God? How do you get your sins forgiven and, and, and be declared righteous before the holiness of Almighty God as a gift? By His grace, as a gift. Through the redemption, the price paid on the cross that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. That word propitiation, big long word, we never use it 
in, in, our, in our normal conversation, do we? Such an important word, propitiation. What does it mean? It means a full satisfaction of the wrath of God. God made Jesus to be the one who would bear all of his wrath against all of our sin in our place. That's what, that's what propitiation is. It means that on the cross, all of God's wrath toward the sins of everyone who will ever believe in Jesus was poured out on Jesus. And he bore the fullness of the wrath of God. So that now, by grace, as a gift, you and I can be forgiven and declared as righteous, hear me, as righteous as Jesus is before holy God. Now that's amazing news. Now you and I can be freed by grace. Freed by grace, forgiven of all our sin, declared righteous before holy God. All of a sudden, listen, that is freedom. No freedom if we're condemned by God, but complete freedom, everlasting freedom. If we've been forgiven by God and declared righteous in Him. Galatians 5 verse 1 says, Christ has set us free to live a free life. Isn't that an awesome reality? Christ wants us to live in the freedom that comes by grace. He wants us to be freed by grace. You say, well, Chad, you've been talking about all that Jesus did on the cross to give us grace. What does the resurrection, though, have to do with grace and freedom in our lives? Uh, you've told us that, that Jesus' resurrection uh, can, can radically change our lives. But you've been talking about the cross for the last five minutes and all that happened there for the payment Jesus' payment for our sin. What does the resurrection have to do with grace and freedom in our lives? Well, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17 says this, If Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. It just has everything to do with it. Because what Jesus accomplished on the cross would have not been accomplished. It would have not been effective. It, it would have been a meaningless death had he not risen from the dead. If Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. A living Savior is the only Savior who can save. In Romans 4.25, it's put this way, He, Jesus, was delivered over to death for our sins, listen, and was raised to life for our justification. Our sins put Him on the cross. He had to pay the price that we owed. But He was raised to life for our justification. Again, only a living Savior can save. Sam Albury says the resurrection saves us. Good Friday is no good at all without Easter Sunday. Because if there's no resurrection, there's no grace. There's no justification that can be ours. And if there's no justification, there's no forgiveness and there's no freedom. If there's no resurrection, listen to me. If there's no resurrection, there is no Savior. He's dead. And that's it. But Christ is risen. So that Romans 8 verse 1 is true for you if you know Jesus today. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you have trusted Jesus, you can be freed by grace. Well, you may ask, okay, Chad, it all sounds great, but how? How can I be freed by grace? How can I be forgiven? How can I know that for me there is no condemnation? How can I know that I'm in Christ, that Jesus has me? Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, 
tell us. For it is by grace you have been saved. He's, he's talking to people who already know Christ, but he's rehearsing how they came to know Christ. If by, it is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. God says to you in Jesus, Jesus paid it all. Jesus is your righteousness. Jesus lives to save you. He's your hope. Here it is as a gift. All you have to do is take the gift by faith. Simply trust God that he's telling you the truth about Jesus. That he's done it all. Do not, you cannot, add anything to it. Say, you know what, that, that, I, I like that idea, but you know, of, course, of course God still expects me to do a bunch of stuff and, 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 and do my part. No, he doesn't. Your part sends you to hell. Is that plain? Everybody in the room understand what I just said. I think that's clear, isn't it? No one's justified by works. In fact, the Bible says our works are filthy rags. And that's way more filthy than you can imagine or we can discuss right here this morning. Do some research on that and you'll figure out what I'm talking about. But it's filth, our best. Now you say, that's offensive to me. Well, that's the offense of the cross, sir. That's the offense of the cross, ma'am. You have no hope of being saved by God until you admit that you're a sinner and say, God, you are holy, I am not. I need a Savior from you. I need Jesus. I can add nothing to the mix. You have done it all, and I take that as a gift. Let me just tell you, it means becoming like a child. I mean, we can't help it. We love kids at Christmas time, don't we? And I don't know, what, it, what, is it, what is it, folks, about as we get older, we love it more, don't we? Right? Maybe it's because we're so busy raising them when we're little, we're just glad Christmas is over. Amen? Can I get an amen? Uh-huh. Yeah. But as we get older, you know, we, I mean, man, we just, we just kind of sit there and relish it. We just, we just enjoy watching the, the fun, the, the enjoyment, the simplicity. They just, they just take the gifts and, 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 and are so happy with what you're giving to them. At least when they're little. At least for the first couple Christmases. Yeah. That's how we have to be with God. Just simply take Him the gift. No deals. No bargains. No negotiations. Just take it as a gift. Jesus' resurrection can radically change your life. If you only trust what He did on the cross and in the resurrection, you can be freed by grace. Once you've been freed by grace from the despair and shame of your guilt, then, secondly, you can be filled with hope. You see, Jesus' resurrection can radically change your life. You can be freed by grace, but secondly, you can be filled with hope. Every person on the planet not only needs grace, but we need hope. You know what hope is? Hope is the breath of your soul, right? You know when we get down, you know what's happened? We've lost sight of hope, right? You know what, what's going on when we are depressed? When we're grieving, we've lost sight of hope. I'm not saying we still don't have hard days. We still don't, in those grieving days, we don't grieve. Of course we do. But when we really get depressed and anxious about life, we've lost sight of any hope. Hope is a soul's breath. We all need to know that our lives are going somewhere, that this isn't all there is. That there's eternal hope beyond our lives here on earth. But according to God's word, if we are not following Jesus, 
We are, we are described as in Ephesians 2 verse 12 as being without hope and without God in this world. The two go together. Without God, you are without hope. Without peace with God and a, and a, and a, and a, and a good relationship, a mended relationship with God, then hear me, you're without hope. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 19 says this, If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Paul says, here's the deal. If our hope in Jesus is just about what happens until we die, like if it doesn't have any bearing on eternity and our eternal hope, then we're, we're to be pitied. And so the deal is, if you're not a believer in Jesus today, what, what Paul's saying there is if you're not a believer in Jesus today, if Jesus really isn't alive, if he wasn't actually and literally raised from the dead, then here, let me tell you how you should feel about this preacher. You should pity me. I'm an idiot. That's what Paul's saying. In fact, you should pity this whole room. I'm not even sure why you showed up because we're a bunch of idiots gathered in mass for a dead man if he's not alive. And there's, and there's, no, there's, there's nothing to... There's, there is no hope. You've got till you die, and that's it. So you better make the most of it in the meantime, right? I mean, go for the gusto. But if Jesus is alive... It changes everything, and he is. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20 goes on to say, the very next verse, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, this is beautiful, Christ the firstfruits. Then when he comes, when he comes again the second time, at the end of time, those who belong to him, that is, will be resurrected. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he's destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. You see, if Jesus is risen, it changes everything, and he is. And what that means for you and I is that we have hope of one day, though we, we die in this life, one day being raised and spending eternity with him forever. Forever. Eternity in the presence of Christ. You see, we can be freed by grace, we can be filled with hope because Jesus is alive. And that means we have hope not just for this life, but for eternity. If that's true, then here's the deal. Suddenly, you must deal with this one who's been raised from the dead. You can have hope in him if you'll trust him. You can know he's your Savior forever if you'll trust him like a little child. But if you refuse to do that, you still will deal with the risen Christ. You'll just deal with him as your judge when he comes. And with, with everlasting fire, that holy judge will destroy you, the scripture says, forever in a real place called hell. God's loved you. He sent His Son. He gave Christ to be your Savior. And the only reason you will be condemned on that day is because you've rejected Christ, especially now since you've heard the name Jesus and the explanation of His work. We who are followers of Jesus here today, we have hope in Him, don't we? 
Philippians 1, verse 6, I am certain, Paul says, that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Every day, Jesus is working on me. Some days, my wife wonders, <laughs> wonders if that's really true, but, but, but every day, Jesus has promised to continue to be working on me till he comes. And the same is true for you. The fact that Jesus is risen, that he's alive right now, that he's working in me, that he's working in you, and he won't quit till he's done. You know what that does? Fills our lives with hope. Our lives are going somewhere in Christ. I love 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 5, where Peter in praise says of Jesus, praises the Father. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his, the Father's great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There's nothing to hope in. There's nothing living about anything of our faith if Jesus is dead. But if he's risen, then we have a living hope, a living hope for this life and a living hope for all of eternity. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Jesus' resurrection can radically change your life. You can be filled with hope. Jesus said in, verse, in John 14, 1, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. For there is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. I don't know about you, but I long for the day Jesus does that. I'm ready for him to come back and take me home. Are you ready? Is that your hope? 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 to 57. Listen to Paul talk about the hope we have of eternity with Christ. But let me reveal a want to you a wonderful secret, and it's no secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. Some of us may be alive when Jesus comes back. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the, tr the trumpet sounds, those who've died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this, script, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's risen. He's risen. He's risen. Sin is, is, is vanquished. Death is gone. As 2 Corinthians 4 verse as 2 Corinthians 4, verse 14 says, Paul again talking says, Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Just imagine it. Jesus comes back. And if you're dead, you're, 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 you, you've been in the presence of Jesus already, but your body's raised, the body's glorified. If you're alive, this old body's changed in a moment, a twinkling of an eye, and suddenly we are with Jesus and all together as his people and we're in his presence. What a hope. Jesus' resurrection can radically change your life. You can be filled with hope both in this life and for eternity. And then, freed by grace and filled with hope, thirdly, you can be fueled by purpose. What drives you? What's the gas in your tank that makes you run this life? You see, Jesus' resurrection can radically change your life. You can be fueled by purpose. Do you ever wonder why you're here? 
the greatest tragedy in life is not death. The greatest tragedy in life is to go through life, your whole life, without ever knowing why you're living, without any hope for when you die. We all long to know that our lives matter, that we serve a purpose bigger than survival, and yet most folks all around us settle for lives that won't last beyond death. Most Americans, including many professing Christians, are content to live only pursuing the foolishness of the American dream. Get your piece of the pie, which translates into money and power and stuff. That pie, it'll sour in your mouth while you're still living, and it'll rot with you in your grave when you die. Now, if Jesus isn't risen from the dead then that's all there is, so get, all, get a bunch of pie and enjoy it now because you're going to die and that's it if Jesus isn't alive. But if God sent Jesus to make us his children through his death and resurrection, then our lives suddenly have significance of cosmic and eternal, everlasting proportions because we are the sons and daughters of the God who made and sustains the entire universe. You see, John 10, verse 10, Jesus tells us why he came. Part of why he came, he, he, he says, what's, what's my life, death, and resurrection all about? My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. Some translations say to give life and to give it more abundantly. In other words, to show you why you're really here. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15 is Paul's version of this. He says, of Jesus, he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live to please themselves instead. Why are you made? Why did God create you? Why did he save you? Instead, they will live to please Christ who died and was raised for them. After spending 11 chapters in the book of Romans unfolding the, the good news about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and all that it means for us, all, all, all the ways that God works to save us and how he makes us right with God, in verse 1 of chapter 12, he turns the corner and he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercies, 11 chapters worth that I've just spent talking about the mercy of God. I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship, your reasonable act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know what Paul's saying in short? If God sent His Son to be the Savior of the world, to save you, if Jesus' perfect life, sin atoning death on the cross, and resurrection, if God orchestrated all that to save you, then the only right response, the only reasonable response way to respond to Jesus is to say, God, if you would give your son for me, here I am. I am yours. I'm an offering. Every day is yours. My life's not my own. It's not about me. It's for you to dictate how I live, where I go, what I do, how I think, how I spend my money, what I make my priorities. The whole thing is yours. Jesus' resurrection can radically change your life. You can be fueled by that kind of purpose, living for Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58 says, So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. Are you tired, Christian friend, church member? You're tired of serving? Can we just get real? 
hear these words. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. immovable. Have you lost your enthusiasm? Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Why? Because Jesus is alive. He rose. You are going to meet him one day. No matter how long you've been grinding and, and, and serving, at least that's how it feels sometimes, right? You can take a new enthusiasm home with you today because you need to be reminded, I need to be reminded sometimes, I'm going to stand before him. You were made for this. You were made to live for God. N.T. Wright says there is a straight line, listen to this, from the heaven-on-earth reality of Jesus' resurrection to the heaven-on-earth vocation of his followers. It's a straight line. The connection is just as clear as it can possibly be because Jesus lives. We have a job to do. We have purpose if we claim claim him as our Savior, if we bow the knee to him as our Lord. Jesus told us what our ultimate purpose in life is, very simply put, to know him and to make him known. In the words of the Great Commission, Matthew 28, Jesus came and said to him, them, there's his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. By the way, that, that's, don't, don't just roll over that verse. Your Savior, listen to, listen to me, this is important, especially after a year of a pandemic and an insane nation in which we live today. Your Savior rules over all. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. You are part of the kingdom. Are you with me? The kingdom of God. You're part of something. It doesn't matter what happens to America. And by the way, America will be no more one day. Just, just know that. Rome was greater than America in many, many ways, and, and yet it's gone. This nation will fall. The kingdom of God will never fall. And you're part of that kingdom. And your Savior says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I'm the boss of everyone. And here's what he said to you and me as his followers. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I rule over the whole world. And so here's what's implied by that. I rule over the whole world. Here's the Great Commission. Go make disciples, make followers of Jesus all over the place and all the nations. Teach them how to follow me, how to know me, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I rule over all. I'll go ahead of you. I'll be working in their hearts. I'll change them. I'll help them to see the truth of what you're telling them as you preach the gospel. But not only that, I'm going to be right there with you as you do it because I rule over everything. Now that ought to make us witness. That ought to make witnessing easy, amen? Hello? Maybe not easy, but doable. Like regular. Jesus' resurrection can radically change your life. As a church, we exist to spread our enjoyment of the beauty of Christ to our world. That's why you exist. You can be fueled by purpose. Freed by grace. Filled with hope and fueled by purpose. In Acts chapter 2, verses 22, as we get ready to close, the text of Scripture says this. It's the day of Pentecost. And Peter's preaching. 
The Holy Spirit's fallen. People are speaking in tongues. Things are crazy. And what that means, speaking in tongues, it's not some weird religious deal. They were actually given the ability to, to preach the gospel in other languages in that particular instance. And they're preaching the gospel to all these people that come to Jerusalem for the, for the Feast of Pentecost. And, 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 and everybody in their native tongue is hearing the gospel preached by this small uh, church there in Jerusalem, 120-something people. And, and they're, they're preaching the gospel. And, and, and in the middle of that... Peter stands up to explain what's going on because they, they accuse the church of just being a bunch of drunks early in the day. It's like 9 in the morning, and they're like, man, what's, what's the deal? They started the party early today. Peter says, oh, no, they're not drunk. And then he addresses the crowd. He says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst... As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Everything was right on time with God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Peter said, they're not drunk. This is a fulfillment of a prophecy in Joel. He quotes Joel in, in, in another part of his sermon and says, this is the Holy Spirit coming down because this Jesus that you crucified, God delivered him up. It's all, it's all according to plan. You're, you're right on schedule. You did exactly what God planned for you to do, which doesn't excuse you for your sin and the injustice of the crucifixion of Christ. But know this, that Jesus who was crucified, God raised him up. Loose the pangs of death because it was not possible for Jesus to be held by it. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, all right on time in the sovereignly gracious plan of Almighty God. And just like that was right on time, listen to me. Our God is just as sovereign and gracious right now in this moment over your life. What do you mean, preacher? There's a reason you're hearing this, this message on Easter 2021. There's a reason God had the, a plan for you to be in the pew where you sit this morning or where you sit at home viewing by live stream. Maybe, just maybe, for you, sir, for you, ma'am, for you, young man, for you, young woman, it was so you could hear Jesus risen and reigning, calling you to a life freed by grace, a life filled with hope, and a life fueled by purpose. Maybe it was so Jesus' resurrection today could radically change your life. Colossians 1, verse 18, says of Jesus that he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. He won't settle for any less. He deserves first place in the world and but especially in my heart, today in your life. Respond to the risen Savior this morning. Let him give you freedom, hope, and purpose. Deal with him today. Accept the grace he gives, the hope he gives. Start living on mission with him, with the purpose He's created you for. 
The only alternative to that, a wonderful life, a radically revamped, grace-driven, spirit-empowered life with Jesus is to stand before him as judge on the final day. And on that day, it'll be too late. There'll be no room at that, at that moment for grace and forgiveness. There'll be no freedom for all of eternity. There'll be no hope. Your hope and chance for hope will be over. And your life will, be a, will have been a waste to no purpose. Because the wrath of God will be poured out on you forever. Let's pray together. Father, how I pray that in this moment, if it is not well with anyone's soul, that the beauty of Jesus' grace would be irresistible to their hearts. That they would hear the truth of a risen Savior who wants us to be freed by grace and filled with hope all our lives and fueled by real eternal purpose. And they would run to you and like a little child, they would take the gift that you give through Jesus, forgiveness, righteousness, and redemption. Being made totally right with holy God forever being transformed from an enemy of God into the child, a precious child of the living God. How I pray you do that just now. By helping that person, that man, that woman, that boy, that girl to simply admit they're a sinner in need of a Savior, believe what God has said about Jesus, and say yes. I believe Jesus is my Savior. I believe that God in Christ will forgive and declare me righteous forever. Lord, may they do that right now. And Lord, for the rest of us as your people, or those who at least profess to be your people, Lord, may we examine our lives before you to see if we're enjoying the grace and the freedom that you've given us. If we're living with hope, Maybe our hope needs to be renewed today. God, would you do that for your people? If we're in sync with the purpose for which we've been created and recreated in Christ, even the glory of our Savior the world over, reset our priorities. For Lord Jesus, as the risen Savior, you and you alone are worthy of all that we are. And so we ask you to work, even as we close this service out with song to this morning. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. And as we stand, the altar's open for you to come. Let me be right down here at the front. If you need things to be made well with your soul through the Lord Jesus Christ, please come see me. I would love to introduce you to Christ. Church, if you need to respond to the message in some way this morning, the altar's open for you to do that. You can talk to Jesus right there where you're at. Whatever you need as we sing.
Lord in Shanine when he came for me. I couldn't run, couldn't run from his presence. I couldn't run, couldn't run from his arms. Jesus, he loves me. He loves me. He is for me. Jesus, how can it be? He loves me. He is for me. It was a Jesus, he 
nothing but the blood of our risen and reigning Savior. Amen? Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. Again, so good to see all of you. We'll be right back here next Sunday morning, 11 o'clock, and uh, also via live stream. So join us then. Uh, if you're looking for a church home, we'd love to have you give us another try. Come back and visit with us, worship with us. Uh, it, it, we're, we're, it's always about Jesus. That's why we are here. And so, uh, happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Day. Uh, enjoy your day with your family. We're dismissed.